yes, my soul find rest in God. My hope comes from him. Truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will not be shaken. My salvation, my honor depend on God. He is my mighty rock, my refuge. Trust in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. God's word sometimes comes as a warning. How often we have pushed aside the words we find unpleasant. Even if we grudgingly acknowledge its truth, we like to postpone any action to change. God comes to us today saying that our days are fewer than we think. The time for us to repent is now. Forgive our arrogance, O Lord, for sometimes we have sinned knowingly and willingly, challenging your justice and mercy. Forgive our apathy. 
For sometimes we have sinned by neglecting the positive things we had every opportunity to do. Forgive our lack of faith. For sometimes we have sinned by failing to trust and praise you for your constant love and concern. Speak to us a word of grace that we might hear your voice clearly and know that we are forgiven and empowered to live more faithfully. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Now let us say what we believe using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. Sitteth on the right hand of God, Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Now we invite you to turn and say hello to those around you. Good morning. Welcome to worship at Church of the Palms. It's exciting to be here together on a student Sunday. So we're grateful for the students that are in the chancel and the others who have leadership roles in our worship today here in the sanctuary. And I know you will support and encourage and appreciate all that our students add to not only our worship, but to our 
life together as a family of faith. So if you uh, would, while I am uh, sharing a few announcements, take the red friendship pad that's on the side of the pews there and sign your name and pass it down. Take note of the names of the folks who are seated nearby you and uh, encourage you to continue the conversation after the service over a cup of coffee or lemonade in the courtyard in the shade of the big tree. And um, so just a couple of announcements. I wanted to encourage you to read through the others. There are a number that are printed in the announcement section of the bulletin. But we are even now in the midst of preparations for Vacation Bible School, which is coming up at the beginning of June. And so those preparations involve, uh, for the most part, looking for folks who are willing to, to help come alongside and serve as volunteers and to make the various facets of Vacation Bible School happen. So there's more information about how you can get involved in this uh, great annual both um, discipleship opportunity for children within the church and outreach opportunity for us to connect with children and families in our community. Also, as we have been uh, announcing recently, there is a men's conference coming up, Iron Sharpens Iron. It is happening this next Saturday. There is still time to sign up. You can do that under the tree after the service this morning. Further details are in your bulletin. And also, you will hear more about it next week, but just wanted to give you a heads up that we are in the planning process for this year's Day of Hope event that will be on Saturday, July the 25th, that annual event in which we help children who are either homeless or greatly in need to um, prepare for the upcoming school year. So opportunities to volunteer in support of that, opportunities to give, to sponsor a child in support of Day of Hope. So uh, watch and listen for more information. You can... Um, Sign up even today out at the table under the tree. And um, finally, as uh, folk within our church family have already begun leaving, those who are here with us seasonally, some have begun going back north, and perhaps there are others who are about to depart, just wanted to put in front of all of us a reminder that a great way to stay connected with what is going on at Church of the Palms, whether you're here or whether you're not here on any given week, is through our website, www.churchofthepalms.org. You can um, watch and listen to sermons. You can find out what's going on in areas of discipleship and children's ministry and student ministry and caregiving ministries. And so it's a great way to stay connected with what is happening in our congregation. And now uh, Steve McConnell will get to introduce our newest staff member. Why is everybody laughing? I, I <laughs> Many of you know that uh, the life of the church is a confluence of uh, the church as organization and the church as spiritual community, and we're always seeking to live our life together with uh, the organizational community, always supporting the most important part of our life, which is the spiritual community. And 
we are grateful that we have a wonderful balance of that here at Church of the Palms. Several months ago, the uh, session uh, asked uh, Pastor Bruce if he would begin to focus more of his efforts in the spiritual community part of our work and concentrating on discipleship and outreach. And uh, to that degree, then we uh, needed to begin to look for someone who could help lead our organizational community, our administrative uh, part of our church. And over the last several months, we uh, went through an exhaustive search, literally coast to coast, and uh, we found uh, this wonderful woman next to me, Amy McCullough, who uh, comes to us uh, as close as from St. Petersburg, Florida. So you um, probably saw her bio in the uh, church bulletin and uh, Amy brings to us uh, several, several years of experience in two different churches and the work of church administration. She will be responsible for finance and for facilities and personnel and everything else that sort of falls underneath the administrative part of our church. Uh, she has already uh, begun her work and already gotten uh, going very strongly in all these areas and uh, meeting new people and uh, getting a chance to figure out how we can continue to support our church through this very important part of our church's life. So welcome, Amy. It's good to have you here. And I'll let me introduce you. Thank you so much. It is an honor and a privilege to be here at Church of the Palms, as Pastor Steve said. Um, this is kind of my the beginning of my third week here, and I've gotten to know um, some of you and just had the privilege to uh, share your story. So thank you very much, and I look forward to serving with you. Moving now from a McConnell to a McCullough, and now I'd like to introduce to you Jeff McCauley. <laughs> we should have done this uh, last week with the curtain of the tartans, right? <laughs> Good morning, everyone. We're so excited to be in worship with you this morning. Uh, there's nothing greater than seeing a young woman or young man connect with God, connect with people in the church body, to latch on to their relationship with Jesus and to grow. Uh, and uh, it, I, like I've said before, I could stand up here all day and share stories, but you don't want to hear from me. You want to hear from our students. And so I want to introduce you to one of our students who I've had the pleasure of being a part of her spiritual growth over the last few years. And uh, I'm just so excited that you get to hear her story today. So I want to introduce you to Emma Turtle. Good morning, everybody. My name is Emma Turtle and I'm a freshman at Sarasota Military Academy. A couple of weeks ago, I was asked to write my testimony for this morning. And I thought to myself, what is there interesting enough that's happened in my life that people actually are wanna, gonna wanna listen to or care about? And I expressed this to one of my leaders, Cindy, and she said, speak from your heart. Someone may have been in the same place you were and your story could really help them. So here I go. I went to church when I was a baby up until around eight years old or so. We switched around from quite a few different churches. When I was three years old, my parents had gotten divorced. And when I was seven years old, I found out my grandmother had cancer. And I remember as a young child in church them saying, if you pray to God, he'll answer your prayers. So not really quite understanding that, I would pray every night that mommy and daddy would get back together. And when my grandmother was very sick, I said, God, I'll know you're real if you save her. So when my parents were still divorced, of course, and my grandmother had passed away, I started to have some doubt in God. 
Around eight years old, we just stopped going to church for a few different reasons. I mean, I still believed in God, but he wasn't a big part of my life at all. And in seventh grade, I feel like that started to catch up with me. I felt something missing, but I didn't know what it was. I would go to school and hang out with friends and be happy, same old, energetic Emma. But then when I would be by myself, I'd break down. I just felt like there was something missing. I was completely surrounded by friends and family that I knew loved me so much. But for some reason, I didn't feel like I deserved it. For months on end, I felt like this, not knowing why. And one day at school, this kid named Sawyer said, come to Church of the Palms with me. We have a really cool youth group. And I was like, hmm, I don't know. Youth group's not really my thing. And he insisted that it was really fun and I know lots of people and that I really like it. So I thought I'd give it a shot. I went and I loved it. And after a few weeks of going, I started to make connections and started to understand and slowly beginning to apply God to my everyday life. And that feeling of something missing in my life was gone. It had vanished. And that I feel like I filled a hole in my heart. And then one day, my mother came to pick me up from youth group. And it was a Wednesday. And she looked at the tree and had a eureka moment and said, Emma, this is the church that you were baptized in. And to me, this was 100% a sign from God. There is 131 churches in Sarasota. And yes, I did the research. 131. And I'm back after not going to church for five years and not being at this church for 13. I'm coming back to the church that I started my journey with Christ 15 years ago. I knew that this was God calling me home. My first trip with Church of the Palms was life-changing. It was the first time I ever felt the Holy Spirit. And that was when I knew God would be with my side through every step of the way. So three years later, now, I'm so excited to be able to say I'm going on all four trips this summer with the people I call my second family. Church of the Palms has helped me to find God, and God has truly, truly changed my life forever. Thank you. Bending beneath the 
Let us pray. Dear God, help us to see the beautiful world you've blessed us with. Help us to laugh with the bubbling brooks and find peace in the trees. Help us to love every breath we inhale because we are breathing for you, because of you. Shine your light down on our sinned flesh that you forgave because of your unconditional love. Help us to wake every day with a passion for life because of your sacrifice. Let us know we are in your arms your massive arms like roots of a tree extending deep into the rich soil of our hearts. Help us to find hope in others to serve you. We thank you for your gifts and presence in our lives. Now let us continue our prayer with the prayer Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, 
and the glory forever. Amen. We will now continue our worship with the giving of our offerings.
Let us pray. Dear God, thank you for this beautiful day. What a joy and blessing it is to be sitting here amongst other Christians. Thank you for your unconditional love, the hope the future brings because of my relationship with you, and always holding my hand through the rough times. We thank you, Lord, and dedicate these gifts to your greater cause in the world. We love you so much. In your precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We would now like to invite the children to come forward for the children's moment. Hi guys, I'm Jared. Hi, I'm Avery. You guys have favorite teams? Anybody? Anybody have, you have a favorite team? What's your favorite team? Seminoles. Anybody else? <laughs> Anybody? No? You? Okay. Eagles. Nice. Hey Avery, nice shirt. Not. Thanks Jared. Well today we're gonna learn that God doesn't have a favorite team because he loves everyone the same. So we're gonna show you guys that through eggs. So you see how some eggs are white, some eggs are brown, some eggs are even freckled. Sophie, what color is your egg? White. AJ, what color is yours? Brown. Well, since they're different on the outside, they've gotta be different on the inside, right? Let's crack them and see. They're different, right? Right? No? They're not? They're the same. Well, look at these eggs. AJ says black hair. Parker says blonde. And Sophie says brown hair. These eggs are so different, they have to be different on the inside. Let's crack them and see. Are they different, Parker? Nope. They're the same? In the Bible lesson today, we hear about Simon Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. He was a Jew, and he believed that God sent Jesus only to the Jews. God gave Peter a vision and a dream to show him that God created all people, and he loves them all the same. God doesn't have favorites. God's gift of salvation from Jesus is for everyone, no matter what color or shape we are, language we speak, or how different we all may be. And I think that's awesome. Will you sing with us? The lyrics are in your bulletin, and we're going to sing through twice. with me? 
Dear God, thank you for loving every one of us regardless of our size, shape, or color. Help us to show this love to everyone we know and even those we don't. Amen.
Please be seated. Our lesson today comes from the book of Acts, chapter 10, verses 1 to 17, and 34 to 35. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called. He was a devout man who feared God with all his being and his household. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. One afternoon, at about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. He stared at him in terror and, and said, What is it, Lord? He answered, Your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, who is, whose house is by the seaside. When the angel who spoke to him had left, he called two of his slaves and a devout soldier from the ranks of those who served him. And after telling them everything, he sent them to Joppa. About noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray. He became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while he was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the heaven open and something like a large sheet kept coming down, being lowered onto the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. Then he heard a voice saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The voice said to him again a second time, What God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. Now while Peter was greatly puzzled about what to make of the vision he had seen, suddenly the men sent by Cornelius appeared. They were asking for Simon's house and were standing by the gate. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious God, we believe your word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. And so as we reflect on these words from Scripture, by the work of your Holy Spirit in this place, shine forth your truth so that we might not only hear, but understand and be transformed by what you would teach us today. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, in order to help us understand these words that Kevin has just read and apply them in our lives, I thought we would turn to that well-known theologian, Theodore Zeus Geisel. Now, now you may know Theodore Zeus Geisel more by his pen name, Dr. Zeus. And uh, I wanted to read to you from an important work written by Dr. Zeus many years ago entitled, The Sneetches. Now, the star-belly sneeches had bellies with stars. The plain-belly sneeches had none upon theirs. Those stars weren't so big. They were really so small. 
you might think such a thing wouldn't matter at all. But because they had stars, all the star-bellied sneetches would brag, we're the best kind of sneetch on the beaches. With their snoots in the air, they would sniff and they'd snort. We'll have nothing to do with the plain belly sort. And whenever they met someone they were out walking, they'd hike right on past them without even talking. When the star-bellied children went out to play ball, could a plain belly get in the game? Not at all. You only could play if your belly had stars and the plain belly children had none upon theirs. When the star belly sneeches had frankfurter roasts or picnics or parties or marshmallow toasts, they never invited the plain belly sneeches. They left them out cold in the dark of the beaches. They kept them away, never let them come near. And that's how they treated them year after year. Well, I, I know that it, you know, it might get a little bit heavy wading into the theology of Dr. Seuss <laughs> on Sunday morning, but, but I think we're up to it today. I mean, I, I think we get the connection between Peter and his preconceived notions about non-Jews and how he felt he was superior to non-Jews and those star belly sneeches thinking they were superior to those with plain bellies. I might, we get that connection, right? I mean, even if we didn't pick up on it in the passage that Kevin read from the book of Acts, Dr. Seuss helps us to perhaps see that we have experienced it or at least seen it in our own lives. I mean, when I think back to my time as an elementary school student in Elk Grove Village, Illinois, I can remember clearly going out for recess and how we would divide up. We would pick teams for volleyball, we call, or for dodgeball. We call it bombardment. And, and the, the, the kids who could throw pretty well, the kids who could catch pretty well, the kids who were sort of athletically inclined, they would always pick the other like kids and, and pity the poor elementary school student who wasn't very athletic, who couldn't throw well, who wasn't very agile. They either got picked last or left out altogether. You remember things like that from elementary school? Yeah, but thankfully, thankfully, when we got to high school, things were different, right? <laughs> well, Wrong, really, at least in, in my experience, wrong. In fact, those divisions, the way we divide ourselves, it, it got worse, it got more complicated, it got, the divisions got deeper. At Elk Grove High School, in the foyer, there was a big foyer in front of the cafeteria, and there were four benches. And it didn't take a kid long to figure out that those benches were absolutely reserved for the popular students. The bench closest to the gym was for the freshmen, then the next one was for the sophomores, the next one was for the juniors, and the primo spot bench, the one right outside the cafeteria, door, cafeteria doors, that was for the senior popular students. Heaven help 
the AV squad student or the drama student or the band student who got too close to one of those popular kid benches? Can you relate to that kind of division? But I guess the good news is that as we grow up, we, we grow out of that by the time we're young adults, right? Those divisions, they kind of go away by the time we get to college, don't you think? <laughs> hmm. It, that wasn't my experience. Maybe I, So I got to go, I went to a small private college. Most of the students there were like me. They were white Anglo-Saxon Protestants from middle class or upper middle class backgrounds with all that we had in common you would think that we wouldn't divide ourselves up but we did I joined a Greek social fraternity I became a brother of Pi Kappa Phi I would wear those letters on my chest Pi Kappa Phi I had them on a bumper sticker on my car. We had them on a big sign out in front of our house. And when one social fraternity played another social fraternity on the intramural athletic field, it was likely to become a bloodbath. Those games were brutal. You weren't even supposed to be friendly with people from other fraternities, especially Lambda Chi Alpha. <laughs> And so it goes on and on. The, the point is that by the time we get to be adults, we sort of think it is acceptable that it's normal for divisions to exist between us. Divisions in where we live, divisions in the races, divisions in our politics, divisions in our finances. They keep us apart from one another, and we can accept those as just a natural part of life. And as we heard in our text this morning, it was the same way in biblical times. Before he had his vision, at the time that Peter went up on the roof of the house of Simon the Tanner, in the seaside city of Joppa to pray, he was secure in his assumption that as a Jew, he was one of God's special people. He was chosen. He was superior. He observed all of the Jewish dietary laws. It set him apart. It made him better than all of those other non-Jews. And then... He had the vision that we heard about this morning in which that sheet was lowered to the ground from heaven and on that sheet were all kinds of animals that when they were prepared as food would be considered unclean. And in the, in the vision, God told Peter to, to eat and Peter said, never, Lord, no, I wouldn't do that. And God said, what I have declared clean, you will by no means declare unclean. And then almost immediately, immediately, so Peter couldn't miss the connection, calling for him at the gate of Simon the Tanner's house were these three men, two servants, and one 
God-fearing Roman soldier asking for Simon Peter by name, inviting him to come to the home of Cornelius, a Roman centurion. Now, before his vision, Peter would have had second thoughts about even speaking to these non-Jews. All three of them would have been non-Jews. And he certainly wouldn't have accepted an invitation to enter into the home of a Gentile, much less a Roman centurion. But based on his vision, based on what God had taught him, breaking down the divisions that Peter had always assumed existed, the apostle accepted And he went with that entourage up to Caesarea by the sea where Cornelius lived. And he entered his home and he shared with them the story of God's love and grace in Christ Jesus. The story of Jesus' death and resurrection for forgiveness of sin. And then Peter was amazed when he saw the non-Jews there come to believe put their faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit fall upon them in the same way the Spirit had filled the disciples in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. Peter didn't see that coming. And it's, it's amazing when you think about it because it had been God's plan all along. And maybe some of you remember all the way back to when we began this series looking at God's great story in the Bible. Way back in September, we were in the book of Genesis, and we uh, learned about the covenant or the promise God made with Abraham. I want to remind you of what that was. We find it in Genesis chapter 12. It's just the first three verses. God speaks to Abraham and says, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Let's not miss that last few, those last few words. God promised to Abraham way back in Genesis that in him all the families of the earth would be blessed. It was God's plan all along that all people would receive the good news of God's love and grace in Christ Jesus. And if you were here last week, then you may remember how Pastor Steve talked about the Great Commission at the end of the Gospel of Matthew. He focused on one word that Jesus repeated over and over and over again. Do you remember what that one word is? All. Exactly. Good, you were listening. Great, great. All. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to do all that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you all your days. All. God's plan in the beginning had been for all people to hear the good news, to draw all people to God's self. That had been the plan all along. And the risen Christ, when he speaks to his disciples at the beginning of the book of Acts, he reminds them of this truth in Acts 1.8. 
He is instructing them about how they will receive power from God to do the ministry they are called to do. And he says, he says to them, tells them to wait in Jerusalem. He says, there you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and then in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, the gospel spreading out from its Jewish beginnings to the Gentiles, that had been God's plan all along. And as you look at the book of Acts, what you will see is that, that verse that I just spoke to you, Acts 1.8. It is a blueprint for how the Holy Spirit works as we progress through the book of Acts. The day of Pentecost that I referenced earlier when the Holy Spirit indwelt the disciples gathered in that upper room and they spoke to the Jews gathered for that festival from all parts of the world and Peter got up and he was a witness to Jesus in that, on that day and thousands came to believe. Peter and the other disciples were witnesses first in Jerusalem it wasn't without opposition, though, because there were Jews who didn't believe, and then a persecution broke out. And you read about that in the Gospel of Acts with the stoning of Stephen. And after Stephen was stoned to death for his faith in Jesus, those early believers scattered to other parts of the area, to the rest of Judea and into Samaria. You see how it tracks with Acts 1.8. And the passage that we read today in which Peter is in Joppa by the seaside and is invited to go up to Caesarea by the sea, that was the expansion in, in Judea and Samaria and later in the, in the book of Acts through the missionary journeys of Paul. It's to the ends of the earth. It was God's plan all along. And so it shouldn't have caught Peter by surprise when he told when he told Cornelius and his household the good news about Jesus, that they believed it, that they received the word, and that they trusted God and they were indwelt by the Holy Spirit, but it did. Peter didn't see it coming. And I think the same thing still happens for us today. Sometimes when God wants to do something new, when God wants to do something exciting, we don't see it coming. And, and I think it especially happens when we step out of our comfort zone, like Peter did when he walked into that Gentile household in Caesarea, into the home of a Roman centurion, for goodness sake. And God did something that he never saw coming. I know I have had that kind of an experience, and it impacts me to this very day. It was back when I was uh, in seminary. My, uh, the missions professor took three of us down to Guatemala where he had served as a missionary for many years. And um, he, we got to see a lot of interesting things in Guatemala. He took us to the Zona Rosa shopping and hotel district in Guatemala City. He took us to the colonial capital, Antigua, Guatemala. He sent us up to see the amazing Mayan ruins in the north in El Peten. And uh, as fascinating as that was, the, the three of us seminarians, we were comfortable. 
as tourists. We, we knew what to do. We, we toured. But what our professor did was he mixed in some other visits. So after we sipped uh, coffee in front of a fancy hotel, he brought us to a squatter settlement on the outskirts of Guatemala City. After sending us to Antigua, Guatemala to see the colonial capital, we met with village leaders, internally displaced refugees who were being hunted by their own government. After we went to El Peten to see the wonders of ancient Mayan civilization, he put each of us in a different home with a rural, poor Mayan family to spend the night. It was a surprise for me and for my fellow seminary students what God showed us when we spent time with the poor, with those who were repressed, with those who were literally on the margins of society. I didn't see it coming. And what else I didn't see coming was this thought that began to occur to me that I wrestle with to this day. If, if there is that kind of thing happening in Guatemala, these kinds of things that I know break God's heart, where the little person gets squashed, where the little person gets squeezed, could that kind of thing be happening in the United States, in my own home, and I just don't see it? because of the divisions that I've grown accustomed to. And so that's part of why I am so committed to our mission partnerships in Latin America. That's part of the reason why I feel so passionate about being involved in our food pantry ministry, in our tutoring ministry, and serving when we're hosting family promise families. That's part of the reason why I'm so excited about the chance that we have to serve those in need in our community at the Day of Hope. But I didn't see it coming. I think something like that happened to the Sneetches. Because here's how the story ends. But McBean was quite wrong. I'm quite happy to say that the Sneetches got really quite smart on that day. The day they decided that Sneetches are Sneetches and no kind of Sneetch is the best on the beaches. That day, all the Sneetches forgot about stars and whether they had one or not upon thars. My guess is the Sneetches didn't see it coming. And I wonder for you, might there be divisions that you have just kind of assumed are okay. And if God calls you to step out of your comfort zone, might you encounter something that you didn't see coming? Amen.
And now as this service ends and when you go from this place, go with God's blessing. May the living Lord Jesus Christ go with you. May he go above you to watch over you, beside you to befriend you, within you to give you peace, and before you to show you the way now and forever. Amen.